once again faced with elections, and yes, we are not immune here in Canada from hearing all about elections south of the border, once again we are forced to reflect on what it means to be a Christian or a Catholic voter. I've heard from so many Catholics who are faithful Catholics, who are pro-life, and who disagree with many democratic policies, but who, at the same time, do not feel that their beliefs are represented by the Republican Party or Republican candidates. I've also heard from Catholic voters who struggle to weigh our responsibility towards refugees, many who are Christian and persecuted for that very same Christian faith, and, and who are children against our responsibility as Christians to be against abortion and to be defenders and protectors of life in the womb. Still, I hear from so many of you who know that abortion is but one issue, an important one, mind you, but just one among so many. So, I don't envy you. But here's a thought. You can change those Republican or Democratic policies that you don't agree with. You can make sure that there are more Democratic or Republican candidates that you can support. It's very simple. Get involved. Join the party. Run for office. You'd be surprised at how quickly you can influence change from the inside. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callan. I am Billy Chan. And we're together again, guys. We yes. are. The dream team over really here. Really good. Reminding our listeners that we want to hear from them and they should write to us. We Where do. do they write? Uh, radio at saltandlighttv.org. That's the email on our website. saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> awesome. and, and social media at Salt, Salt and Light TV. TV. If you guys are on Twitter, Instagram. And Facebook. And Facebook as well. Pretty easy. Um, and it's really easy. Sometimes people say, you know, they wanted to know the name of a, a, a guest. They're not sure the name. It's very easy. Go to that website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where we archive all our programs. You can listen to everything there again if you miss part of it, uh, part of of the program. And a reminder to those of you that, are, that uh, have been listening the last couple of weeks, if you want to go to the Holy Land with me in March 2019, you should contact me at Deacon Pedro GM or visit nsgrotto.org. That's the National Shrine Grotto to get more information. The deadline's November 15th, and there's still some spots, so hurry up. I hope you guys can come with me and now. So today we have more news. Back yes. to regular news. Back to regular news. I know, Emily it's so Callen. strange, actually. So that's, that's good. And uh, yeah, and uh, Billy, you have a question for I Dennis? have a question. That's, that's normal. Uh, a question is normal, so that's coming up. So Church for Dummies, after news with Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was going to say, Emily, you know, we've, we've heard enough about the Synod, and so it's good to go back to regular news. But in fact, today, our featured guest, we're going to talk some more about the Synod. Um, because I think we're still, I mean, the document's not even translated in English no. yet. We're still waiting to read this document. And people, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ideas about, we know what happened at the Synod because we've been talking to you and you were in there. Right. Yes. But Father Tom Rosica was also there. <laughs> he was. And he's got a different perspective. Yes, of course. Because he was doing I, the, the, the communications. Yes, exactly. So, so I think it's great that he's on your show yeah, today. He's going to be talking to us in our second half hour 
Um, he was the English language assistant for the communications office of the Synod of Bishops. So he's going to come in and tell us a little bit about, about what really happened. Right. From his point of It'll view. It'll be interesting if there's any kind of contradictions between what I said and what he said. No, I'm sure he's going to say the same thing. I don't think so. Um, what, what really happened at the Synod and uh, with Father Tom Rosica in about 25 minutes. And then at the yes. end of the show, we're going to be reconnecting with Catholic recording artist Joe Melendres. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe is uh, doing some really interesting things. Um, with hip hop, and uh, he has a Ooh. new album. Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Uh, so why don't we start from a song from that album from Joe? Here's Joe Melendres with a light, and actually singing on this track is Father Robert Gallia. So it's kind of oh, neat that they connected. Uh, Joe Melendres from California, Father Rob Gallia from Australia. Joe Melendres with a light uh, from Joe Melendres' uh, new album, Chosen. That was Joe Melendres with A Light from his album Chosen. And singing with him was Father Robert Gallia. And we're going to be speaking with Joe Melendres in about 30 minutes. But first, 
Emily's still here with our news. Yes. Okay, Pedro, I will start by asking you a question. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what the mountain Jews are? The mountain Jews right? of Jewish people. Jewish people. No. So, okay, I had no, never heard never about heard them either. Them. I never heard about them either. And at first I thought, okay, someone did not write this down very well. Right. But um, they had a meeting, a delegation of these mountain Jews, They call uh-huh. them as they call themselves, met with the Pope at the Vatican this week. Okay. And um, they're actually this, this community of Jewish people that live in... Uh, in the mountains, in the mountains somewhere, in, somewhere uh, in the Caucasus. In Russia, so which is like which is a region in, in like Russia, in right? A mountainous southern, uh-huh. region in Russia, uh-huh. um, and they've been there for about fifteen hundred years. They're wow. believed to be descent per, of Persian descent. Okay, uh, they have their own language and their own customs. Um, and even during the World War II, right. um, apparently they were also persecuted or, uh-huh, or targeted by um, by German troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So they met with the Pope, but it was the first time that this particular community or delegation from this community uh, met with the Pope. Right. And so, um, and I also don't know if you know this or if you remembered this, but this week, November 9th, uh-huh. um, was the um, the commemoration of uh, the uh, Crystal Night. Okay, Kristallnacht, yes. Right, a night where yeah. Jewish people yes. were, yes. Um, yes. were taken. Yes. and were attacked and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So yes. it was also in the context or within this background mm-hmm. that, that they met with the Pope um, and he, he gave a, a speech to them and he spoke about anti-Semitism, okay. um, which as we know is also very, um, you know, kind of hot topic, yeah. I guess, at and the moment. And yes. it's still happening. And, and he did mention that. Um, but he said that to be uh, to be Christian um, and that, that there's contradiction between being Christian and anti-Semitic. Right, so, of course. You so that be, you yeah, can't be... A Christian and be anti-Semitic. Exactly, yeah. because Christians and Jews share common yeah, roots. Of course. Um, and he said that the key to, uh, to uprooting this kind of... Um, Violence or racism and uh, any kind of discrimination against against Jewish people or, or yeah. any any group of people um, is friendship, and so through right. friendship right. with our Jewish friends, um, he said, is is the way to um, uh-huh. to dialogue and, right. and to better relationships. Yeah. So okay, good. Um, yeah, so. A fun, fun story, I guess. Fun, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> interesting, something new, something, something, something interesting, new, something interesting uh, go, that, that I learned this week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. And the Pope also had, I guess, prayer intentions this month. He also had a prayer intention this month um, for peace. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, it's it's maybe not anything new, and we we can expect this from the Pope. But uh, but he was just saying that in order to um, to build peace in the world and to um, to reject violence, that's something that starts within the heart of every human person. Yeah. Um, and so to uproot violence in our heart, um, in order to um, uh-huh. to uproot violence. So a call to peace in the Pope's prayer intention this week. Right. Okay. Good. That's always important. Yeah. Do I have time for more news? Yes, you do. You have to, a little bit of time for okay. one more. So um, there's this report that was published by Agencia Fides. So this okay, is the information yes. service of the Vatican's Pontifical, Pontifical Mission, Mission Societies. Societies yeah. And um, essentially the report spans between 2000 and 2017. Okay. Um, and in there we find, like we take a look at um, missionaries across the world who were killed um, basically right. on while they were on mission, while they uh-huh, were on duty. Okay. And um, and, a, and a particular interest, I guess, would be the 12 young missionaries um, between the ages of 22 and 38 who were killed okay. as well between wow. 2000 and 2017, mm-hmm. which might not seem like a, a 
huge number, but that's at least one person per one year. year. Almost yeah. one, one person a year, right? Um, and so these would have been young people, uh, young religious, uh, seminarians, priests, lay people as well. Right. Um, they noted a 26-year-old Polish woman who was killed in Bolivia mm. after doing missionary work um, in different pl- parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and her name is Helena. Okay. So... Th- yeah. I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. But if, if you do want more information about these young missionaries and on their stories, who they were, you can go to the website right. Fides, F-I-D-E-S dot org uh, and search for young missionaries and you'll find more information on these 12 young men and women who were killed okay, between 2000 good. and 2017. That's good. Thank you. We'll put that link on our website also so you can find it easily that... Uh, I'm actually very interested in, in knowing more. Thank right. you, Emily. Emily Welcome Callan, Pedro. good to have you back. Our news producer for the Salt and Light Hour. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, I'm Dan Schutte. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, inviting you to come to the Holy Land with me in March 2019. Contact me at Deacon Pedro GM to get more information or go to nsgrotto.org. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. Welcome back, my friend. So part two, part two of how social media is taking over our world, no? (laughs) Yes. Kind of. Part two, part two of bias. Bias in social media. So last, so last time you were talking about algorithms, maybe remind us a little bit about what that was all about. Yeah. So basically the, the main message last time was the algorithms don't know if we're watching something because we're truly entertained by it or because they agrees with our political leaning. Right. Um, that it's actually influenced uh, more by us, by the material we create, how we view it, and then also even how we flag it. Sometimes. Okay. That's how biases enter in algorithmically. So how does that work? So, so what I want to talk about today, actually, is is human bias. Sort of the ways that, you know, it, this potentially could more uh, be explicitly controlled by humans. Uh-huh. And so this is, this is, this is, Non-technical, this is more about kind of almost like politics and law and whatnot. So, and, and I, I know this on people's minds because I'm getting asked this all the time. Now. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first thing I want to point out is what a difficult position we've put tech companies in. So uh, there's something called the Communications Decency Act, and Section 230 of it um, generally says that tech companies, you know, like they're not directly direct or responsible for what they post. Okay. They say, oh, well, that, that's our, our the people on there. But then there's all sorts of exceptions, you know, like, oh, if it's intellectual property, if it's sex trafficking, right. child pornography, yeah, of course. or hate speech, and all these things. Yeah. And so what we've actually done to the tech companies is we've said, oh, you know what? You actually have to regulate your content. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of a difficult thing, because all of a sudden it's like, oh, great, we're actually asking them, oh, could you be censor? Could you censor yourself? Right, stuff? right. And, and then you even think of things like, say, uh, you know, the uh, Russian election meddling, uh-huh. you know, two years ago. And what the Russians did actually was pretty legit. I mean, they just used our social media platforms. Granted, they signed up for, say, maybe 200 accounts, you know, when they mm-hmm. weren't supposed to. But mm-hmm. other, other than that, everything they did was perfectly legal. You know, they yeah. bought ads and, and everything, and they just they knew how to kind of game our system. Yeah. Um, 
But yet there's outrage over that. You know, we're saying, oh, tech companies, you have to prevent this. You have to stop this. You have to, you know, stop mm-hmm. things from being manipulated. But then at the same time, too, we're saying, no, how dare you, con- you know, uh, right. censor that censor. thought. Yes, you know, of course. That, 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 that's, you know, you're, you're censoring a political viewpoint. So I, I just point out, this is a really difficult thing to do. Uh-huh. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you come up with a set of rules or guidelines that's going to please everyone? Mm-hmm. How do you actually identify facts from lies? How do you identify reliable sources from fringe sources? Right. So, yeah, there's there's no easy way to do this. So, so I guess that's the first thing to realize. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth pointing out, like, okay, there have been a few cases where some of these tech companies, oh, they actually were influencing media. And the one one that comes to mind here, the most uh, prominent one, was Facebook. They mm-hmm. had a news feed, and uh, they originally said, oh no, this is algorithmic. But it eventually came out that, oh, there was actually someone, a human in the loop, curating it. Hmm. Um, and so the thing I guess I want to point out about this is that it, it's really not that different from, say, being an editor to a newspaper or something like that. And I'm not excusing Facebook for doing this. Uh-huh. The idea is there's nothing fundamentally wrong with curating or editing, but there has to be disclosure of it. Uh-huh. Um, right. And so that, that seems to be a, uh, that's a really important thing. And also note that they can't do this uh, individually, that this was a news feed that went out to billions of people. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, one of these sort of tailored searches or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind when it does come to cases like this. And right. So, you know, and if, if something like this is happening, like if there is, say, you know, a, a secret hand in there, it's like it takes hundreds, if not thousands, of people to do this. So it doesn't really surprise me that this leaked out. And I think that if any other tech company were doing it, you know, everyone I've met, everyone I know, they're very concerned. They would make sure this kind of stuff leaked out. Right. So what's the solution then, Mark? Well, there's no easy answers hmm. uh, here. Um, I think it's tempting to vilify just one big tech company and claim they're being biased. Um, and, it, you know, granted, yes, we do always need to be cautious around concentrations of powers and monopolies, um, but I don't think that's what's happening here. I think the issues are, are much more subtle and complex, mm-hmm. um, and I think the way we need to move is I think we need to say, legally, uh, I, I, idealistically, if we could repeal these exemptions, you know, associated hate speech laws, and remove the legal liability, and... And I know this is not pretty. We're basically saying, yeah, we're going to allow, you know, these tech companies to, you know, post all the, you know, have users post all these horrible things. But the alternative of unlimited censorship and censoring anything that they think think it is, think is ob- uh-huh. objectionable because it's hate speech, you know, that that's less palatable. Yeah. And as a result, I think the public, we need to adjust our expectations. We can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to tolerate these distasteful viewpoints if we don't want things to be censored. Mm-hmm. And then also, most fundamentally, um, users need to educate themselves. They need to be skeptical. Uh, and something us Catholics excel in uh, is knowing uh, what truth is. Right. So, um, you know, and this really comes down to, you know, to, to you and me, the yeah. whole yeah. education system. Yeah. It's not just about understanding what's a reliable source of 
of information, but how do you argument logical ideas? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's true. Got to be a lot smarter about it. Smarter. Look for the truth, and it really comes down to you and me, Mark Matthews. Thank you so much for that uh, insightful observations that you've given us today. Anytime. You're very welcome. There you have it. What's good in Hollywood? I guess what's good in Silicon Valley, with Mark yeah. Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Follow him at hu missionary. Hi, I'm Sarah Kroger. Hi, this is Joe Zambone. Hi, this is Curtis Stephen with Hi, Spirit. Hi, this is Father Rob Gallia. Hi, I'm Amanda Vernon. What's up? It's Joe Melendres. Hey, I'm Tori Harris. Hey, everybody, this is Luke Spihar. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro. Salt and Light Hour. And you're listening to Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, Billy. Um, you have an, a, new, a new question. No, I don't have a new question. You don't have a new question. I don't. The reason is this. Okay, let me finish, okay, before you, <laughs> you say anything. Last week, we were so rushed. But every week we were so rushed, right? Yeah. Because we cannot really answer all the questions in five minutes. No. So now my question will be exactly the same as... As last week. Last week. Okay, but nobody wrote in to complain <laughs> about my answer. No, I complained to my own show. Okay. Because, because I didn't learn anything. No, not anything. You did. But I did. Okay. I, to be fair. Yes, I did. But the question was... Um, uh, uh, about why, all souls. Yeah, the, the souls, right? Also stay last week. And I would like to know, how come the soul in the purgatory cannot pray for us? Okay, I, well, nobody knows. <laughs> End of segment. Same answer. No, okay, same no. Answer. Hold on You're a second. No, I actually, I'm glad that you asked the same question. Okay. Because there were some, last week I, you know, was thinking about how to say All Souls Day in Spanish. Okay. Which was a good answer, but I neglected to say that even in English, the official name of the feast is the commemoration of the faithful, all the faithful departed. Yes. So, Because you were asking, which souls are we praying for? You know, it's because of that, I actually revealed the Chinese version. How do you of say it day. in Chinese? It's exactly the same. Like The faithful departed. Faithful departed. So for people who die. So people who have died. Yes. Okay. People who have died that are have not been canonized. Although... Um, again, to add, I, w- I wanted to say that, I mean, we believe in a communion of saints. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the communion of saints, it actually refers to everyone. See, St. Paul even talks about oh. all the all the baptized saints. And St. Paul says, all the baptized. He calls us, we're all saints. So, so, and I like that idea that we're all, so when we pray for all saints, we're actually praying for everybody. Now, obviously, we have two feast days, this all, all Saints for Canonized People and All Souls Day for all the faithful departed who have not been canonized. So that's kind of the distinction, but so that we make sure that we're praying for everybody. That doesn't mean that we're not praying for each other because we're also souls. This is very interesting, though. I mean, you know, when you talk about, when St. Paul talk about praying to all saints, that means everyone who get baptized, that basically means we, <laughs> that basically means we all want to be the same, right? I mean, well, we yeah, all we're all baptized. Be... Yeah. And I thought you were going to ask me about praying for souls who haven't been baptized. We, we <laughs> pray for them too. Yeah. We pray for them too. Now, as to the, your second question. Yes. Specifically, what, what? what? so last week I said that there's no definitive, and this is where I thought people were going to write in. 
the, but nobody, the, right nobody wrote in. Maybe they just, just like they think I'm out to lunch. The definitive teaching, I mean, well, the church does teach that the concept of purgatory, that is official teaching. Mm-hmm. What is not definitive is that we don't know what happens in purgatory. We have, we have, we can, we can presume, but you know, is it, is it, it, you know, it's it's not a place. We know we know it's that a it's a state, state. of being. Mm-hmm. But what those souls can those souls communicate with God? Is God in purgatory? Can they talk to saints? Can they talk to each other? Can they pray for us? We don't know for sure. Okay, so but we can presume that mm-hmm. they can pray for us because they can pray for each other. They cannot pray for themselves because the best explanation I've I've heard is because once see you know about faith, hope, and love. Yeah. So here on, here on earth, mm-hmm. we, ha- we, those, we have those virtues. But after you die, you don't need faith or hope. You just need love. And yes. if you're, even if you're in purgatory, state of uh, perfect love means that you're selfless. So you cannot do anything for yourself because a perfect love is only doing things for others. I, so that's the, one of the best explanations I've heard. But, I mean, who knows? Yes, the follow-up question I can imagine all the audience right now listen, want to ask you is, yeah. so how can the saints... Pray to us that pray for us then. Well, they do because they I mean, do in love. They, so they're oh. praying for. They're not praying for themselves. Now the saints don't need to pray for themselves because they're already in yeah. heaven, mm-hmm. and we don't. So and we don't pray for the saints in heaven. We ask for their intercession so that they can pray for us. Mm. But the souls in purgatory need prayers. But the the idea, the argument is that they cannot pray for themselves. They can only pray for us. I think they can probably pray for each other, and we can pray for them. Next week, yeah, we can continue if you want to. <laughs> all right, Billy Chan, All Souls Day, Thank All you. Souls Week, All Souls Two Weeks with Billy Chan, our uh, expert here in Church for Dummies. He's also the webmaster at saltandlighttv.org. Follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, what really went on in the Synod and a featured chat with Joe Melendres, so stay tuned. My name is Oriana Bertucci and I'm a monthly guardian for Salt and Light. After considering what was important to me, my faith, my family, my friends, my health, I wanted to find ways to support these priorities. If I made a monthly payment to my gym to support my physical well-being, why not make a monthly donation to the Guardian program to support my spiritual well-being? One of the things that I love about Salt and Light is the way that they bring the Universal Church into your living room or onto your mobile device. Whether the day's news is coming from Rome, the Philippines, Brazil, or right here at home, Salt and Light brings us a broad and balanced perspective of how the church's news impacts me today in my local community. So why not consider your priorities? Consider becoming a monthly guardian for Salt and Light Television. Support not only your own spiritual well-being, but the spiritual well-being of thousands of others. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last month, October 2018, bishops from around the world met in Rome to discuss how best 
to reach young people. The Synod is a gathering for bishops to talk about pastoral approaches. This one, I think, is safe to say, was a bit different than synods in the past. And to tell us more, earlier in the week, we spoke with Father Thomas Rosica, CEO of Salt and Light Media and executive producer of this program. He had an inside view of the synod as he was the English language assistant for the communications office for the Synod of Bishops. Father Tom, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much. I finally get in your studio here. I was going to say, good to have you back in the country. Thank you, yes. So this is your fifth synod? That's right. I have survived five synods (laughs) of bishops over a period of 10 years. And your role has always been a communications role? In the communications role, different titles, but basically the same thing. I started in 2008 when Pope Benedict appointed me to the Synod on the Word of God and the Life and Mission of the Church. Cardinal Mark Ouellette had presided over that Synod as Uh the chief relator, and there I dealt with English language media. Mm -hmm. But I have to say the evolution or the revolution of synods (laughs) over the past 10 years has been quite remarkable. Yes. Under Benedict, you know, very formal, not a lot of free speech, if you will, and it was very staid, very placid, uh, right. Very interesting material. But then, of course, we have the revolution of Pope Francis, who really has revived the institution of the Synod of Bishops. Mm-hmm. And so the past three synods, that is 2014, 2015, and 2018, have been incredible experiences of uh, conciliar synodality Um, real reflection of what the Synod of Bishops is supposed to be. Yeah. We hear that word synodality being used. Sometimes we hear the word collegiality. Can you explain to our our listeners what what is the difference? What does the word synodality refer to? Well, first of all, the word synod, synod, comes the word synodos, which means walking together. Chodos is the word for road. Synodos is on the road together in Greek. Therefore, the idea of the synod... Let me go back and and give the history of the Synod of Bishops. Yes. Because I think it's very important. Let's go back to the years 1962 to 1965. You know, very important years. The Second Second Vatican Vatican Council, Council. excitement, bishops coming together, about 2,600 some odd bishops that came together. Yeah. And they discovered each other. This is before social media, before Facebook, before a lot of travel. And they spent intense moments together in Rome. Mm -hmm. Now, to be clear, many people think that the bishops abandoned their diocese for three to four years and just camped out in Rome, but that was not the case. The synod, excuse me, the council would take place from October until December, each of those years, 62, 63, 64, 65, those four years. Uh And then they would go back home to their diocese and begin to test things out, share what was happening, and report back to Rome at the end of that. Right. So for four years. When John the Twenty Third dreamed up the council, I don't think he ever imagined how long it would last. Uh-huh. The idea of launching a Second Vatican Council was new, a, a council itself. Yeah. You know, there hadn't been a council for several hundred years. So John dies in 1963. Paul VI comes about, now St. Paul VI. Mm-hmm. And Paul continues the momentum. Under Paul's signature, we have the major documents of the Second Vatican Council, Gaudium et Spes, Lumen Gentium, Presbyterum Ordinis, and the rest of the documents. The bishops had a very powerful fraternal experience. There was an experience of the universal church, Mm -hmm. of fraternity, of getting to know one another. They became friends. And so after the council was over in 1965, 
a group of bishops went to Paul VI and said, we don't want to lose that momentum. We don't want to lose that dynamism. We don't want to lose that dynamic. And so Paul VI established in the year 1967 the institution of the Synod of Bishops, which, by the way, we celebrated its 50th anniversary back in 2015. Right. yeah. So um, the institution of the Synod of Bishops means that this body, a consultative body, if, if you will, a group of advisors to the Pope will deal with some of the big pastoral questions right. around the world. You can't obviously invite all the bishops to come to Rome each time you're doing this. In fact, no. now if we were to do that, it's over 6,000 bishops. Church has grown. Right. So it's a representative group of Episcopal conferences, key parts of the world, geographic regions, members of the Curia, all of those things come mm -hmm. together, approximately 300 bishops. And over the past 50 years, now 52 years, they've talked about many different topics, mm -hmm. justice in the world, the sacraments, the role of bishops, the role of priests, laity, the role of women. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've had this trilogy of synods now under Pope Francis's leadership, two synods on the family, which resulted in that magnificent document, Amoris, Amoris Laetitia, Laetitia, and now the synod on yeah. young, people, young people, faith, and vocational discernment. So that's where we are. There's a progression. But I have to say what I've yeah. experienced uh, was a real transformation of sharing, of openness, of joy, of honesty uh -huh. in that synod, that synod yeah. hall. So a true to the word synod, a walking together. A, People a, walking together. Yes. If anything, you know, there are those who would like synods to come out with dictates and rules right. and regulations yeah. and doctrines. That's not the purpose of a synod. No. The purpose of the synod is to help to raise the real questions and to get the whole church thinking and reflecting mm -hmm. and offering some guidelines and what we would call today in our context best practices. Right. So this the synod was on young people, the faith, and vocational discernment. What would you say were some of the main uh, ideas that were shared during the month? What Pope Francis has done is stretch out the synod so it's not just limited to one month in the uh -huh. upper room. Uh -huh. But this began a year and a half ahead of time where there was a questionnaire that was sent out. Yeah. And then there was, followed by a questionnaire, there were regional meetings. Mm -hmm. And because this was going to involve young people, there was a pre-synod gathering in March of 2018 in Rome yeah. where you had a sampling of young people from around the world who gathered together with the Pope. And they kind of set the agenda for what the bishops would be discussing. Because after all, it's a bishop synod. Yes. This is not a young person synod. It was a bishop synod talking about how the church can reach out and relate better to young people. Uh -huh. And so at this particular synod, if you want to talk about the fruits of it, well, mm -hmm. first of all, Absolutely. it was the process, this whole collegial right. process. Yes. Synodality, the church was in movement. The church was not being fixed yeah. perched on a hill, issuing responses, but it was eliciting the questions. It was a listening church. Right. The pre-synod meeting was a very historic gathering in Rome. We had a member of our own team there, Emily Callan, yes. represented the Canadian bishops. Yes. And then following that, the working document, of course, it's got to have a Latin title, to be official, the Instrumentum yes. Laboris, yes. which is not a pasta dish. <laughs> you know, the Instrumentum Laboris contained much of what the the youth document produced in March, in, yeah. but it raised some bigger topics and questions, and it's not a finished document. It is meant to be taken apart. In fact, it's meant to die and become something else, and that's yes. what we saw happen. Yes. And then the Synod itself, I think one of the unique moments 
was the fact that the Pope appointed 35, I believe, young adults from around the world who, for me, were the real source of inspiration, the mm-hmm. light, the joy, the mm-hmm. newness yes. of this recent synod. Yes, those auditors. And Emily, who is on this program every week, our listeners are very familiar with her. She's been telling us the, pro- the progress of her work and participation in that as, an, as a young auditor. Um, the the final document, and we know, and the Pope said this is not about documents or producing documents, but there are the document get, does tell us a little bit of the things that were being spoken about: youth and culture, um, youth wanting to be protagonists, opportunities. We don't have a lot of time, but maybe if you can tell us a little bit about one of these, what would you say of these four points? Which which would be the most important for you? One of the things that emerged, I think, was very important, that when we talk about the church's presence to young people, it's not the church doing something for young people, but it's working with, walking with, and learning from each other. And what was very beautiful was to hear many bishops and cardinals, curial heads, and some of the experts speak about how much they have learned from journeying with young people. And what's required is a mutual listening that we have something, we church leaders, priests, missionaries, whatever, we have something to learn from young people, and also they have something to learn from us. The art of mentoring is present and necessary. We heard about the struggles, the many forces that are against young people, that are taking them away. We heard about unwelcoming churches, and how do we foster, mm-hmm. create? How do we mm-hmm. go about creating open communities, welcome communities to bring young people closer to Christ? Right. Um, there were many, many thoughts. We heard about the challenges of social media, mm-hmm. of social networking and whatever, who many people, many people believe that this is the solution, the panacea and everything. We heard about the risks, yeah. that when it's not used properly, it causes greater alienation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. We heard about young people who are dying for their faith, the, the wave of young martyrs, and it's, it was sobering, shocking, very moving to hear these stories of some of the young people, the young delegates, speaking about their contemporaries. The one young man from Iraq, 26-year-old dentist, right. moved everyone to tears. He said he went to church one Sunday, and when they were leaving church in Iraq, in Mosul or whatever city it was, see you next week, he told their friends. He says, there was no next week no. because the church was blown up and all my friends died. The priest was killed and later on the bishop was murdered. And this is story. these are stories not from the early church. These are happening now. Mm-hmm. So we heard many, many stories that despite the evil, despite the terror, despite the violence, the faith is very strong. Mm-hmm. So there were many, many wonderful and also some wonderful humorous moments. Yes. I mean, the, the clapping and the cheering coming from the young people's gallery, uh, the Pope, you know, being taken by all of this. The Pope went up one day to see where they were sitting. And one of the young people said, why don't you have a seat up here exactly. with us? And yes, he said, wouldn't that be that. nice? You know, yes. Magari, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we're going to have to leave it there, Father Tom. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure that we're going to be unpacking a lot of the fruits from this synod for many years. We're still waiting for that document to be translated to English, but I'm sure we'll have it available on our website. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for what you do and, and uh, for helping us understand the church a little better. Thank you. That was a conversation with Father Thomas Rosica, CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. He spent the month of October 2018 at the Synod of Bishops, acting as the English language assistant for the Communications Office. For more information about the Synod and to watch all our programs related to the Synod, visit our website, saltandlighttv.org synod. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, 
Joe Melendres with God's Calling from his new album, Chosen. Since a child, I've been mindful, but I can't discover the light with my eyes closed, blind to see what was inside. But now I know a love that goes beyond you and I. Yeah, I know. Only 15 when God reached me. I was overcome, unprepared to receive. God showed up, I dropped everything. Tears poured out. I said, Lord, I believe. You are not alone when God's calling. You can be strong when God's calling. So pick up the phone when God's calling. He died for your sins, now you are chosen. You are not alone when God's calling. You can be strong when God's calling. So pick up the phone when God's calling. He died for your sins, now you are chosen. God's calling. God's on the line, no matter who you are, now is the time, he chose you, no need to apply, use what you have, then glorify, his blood covers us, now we're alive, you are not alone when God's calling, you can be strong when God's calling, so pick up the phone when God's calling, he died for your sins, now you are chosen, you are not alone when God's calling, you can be strong when God's calling, so pick up the phone when God's calling, he died for your sins, now you are chosen. God's calling, God's calling, God's calling, died for your sins, now you are chosen. All right. 
That was Joe Melendres with God's Calling featuring Say from his new album, Chosen. Now, Joe Melendres is definitely one of the most exciting Catholic performers I've ever come across. He calls himself a recording artist, and I guess that means that he's a hip-hop artist, he's an MC, he's a dynamic performer, an inspiring speaker, and also a wonderful retreat leader. I met Joe in 2014 when he had just released his album, Kingdom Come. At that time, we also spoke about his Rosary Rap project, very interesting project. Now Joe has a new album that we've been listening to. It's called Chosen. And to tell us more, I am joined now by Joe Melendres. Joe, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, what's going on? So good to see you, my friend. It was good to see you a couple weeks ago here in Canada. Yeah, it was fantastic. Fan- it was great to see you, yeah, too. Great afternoon with Joe Melendres in Niagara Falls. Um, oh, yeah. Sounds like a honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, some of our, last time we spoke, and I oh, I always think it was like last year or two years ago, but it was actually four years ago, 2014. So maybe yeah, some of the I'm listeners, blind. yeah, maybe some of our, our listeners are st- don't remember or they weren't listening to the program four years ago. Um, there, you, you had a, something happen to you when you were an adolescent that made you passionate about your faith. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was, um, so I was born and raised, uh, culturally Catholic, like a lot of people are, yeah. um, but not, it didn't really have a strong foundation in faith in it. And I was invited to go on a teen acts retreat. Uh-huh. Acts stands for, uh, adoration, community, theology, and service. Yeah. And so actually I was, I was a freshman going into my sophomore year and that summer, I went on the retreat, and I had a very powerful Christ encounter on the retreat. And, mm-hmm. and that encounter looked to me like all the love I had my entire life in one moment. That's wow. what I felt. Wow. And so I just, I literally started weeping and crying. And it was this, this overwhelming love that I knew at that moment that was God, and that was hmm. God's love. And I'm like, it, just like you know when you hear a great song, or you have a great restaurant, you go to you, I got to tell everybody about it. I love and it, so yes, yes. I I yes. literally was like, people got to know. Yes. They got to know. So I was trying to find any way and every way to let God know, uh, let people know that God loves them. But I also didn't know exactly what he wanted me to do because mm. I, I had a special feeling that night that not everybody else felt. That they didn't process God yeah. the same way I processed yeah. Yeah. it to an extent. What? And so I kind of started this journey of like, well, how can I use the gifts God's given me to showcase who he is and how much he loves other people? On the regular basis, uh-huh. that's that's definitely the best uh, explanation of of evangelizing that I've ever heard. I love you said it. You you go you find a great restaurant and you want everybody to know about you know where it is and what to order. Oh um, yeah. Um, but what a oh, yeah. gift! What a gift! And I always hear stories like yours. I don't actually because it's not that common. But you hear stories like yours and you say like, why, why that kid? You were fifteen or whatever. And the kids mm-hmm. that were next to you didn't have that same experience. So why were you, and I, sorry, total pun, but why were you chosen? Um, yeah. And it makes well, me think I, of this new album, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I even, I reference uh, In God's Calling. Um, yeah. I said, I, at age 15, God reached me. I was overcome, unprepared to receive. Um, so I, I reference that in, in the in album. The, yeah. And I will always go back to it. But what I, the biggest thing is I think that you know, uh, other kids did feel God, and they were impacted in a big way. And, yeah. and God, you process God in, in different ways. Yeah. But I think what God, I can only imagine that he literally just wanted, I mean, I, I was open, and that was the biggest thing on the retreat. Hmm. I, I had an open mind, open heart, 
And that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, knock and door will be open. Like he's, he's knocking all the time, but are we going to open the door and say, come on in hmm. and, you know, let, let's, let's do this together. And I, once I, I guess he, he thought I was, I was moldable. I was open and, and, um, right. he just, he just got me. So my life's never been the same since. And yeah. I'm so thankful because I even think back, like, what would I be doing if I had not met Jesus that night? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a youth and working youth ministry and religion teacher at a Catholic yeah. uh, high school called Chaminade in San Fernando Valley. Um, and I'm just like, I'm so thankful uh, because I don't know where I would be. Yeah. Why, why do you think that, I mean, this Chosen is your fourth album, right? So what? Yes, wh- Why? Where are you now in your life that, and I know because you're, now you're married, you have a daughter. Mm, where are you yeah. now in your life that you think all oh, this is, is, I don't know if it's just coming out now about being yeah. God calling you and Chosen? Yeah, well, the whole concept of being Chosen. Um, it says in Scripture, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Yeah. Um, there was this uh, priest that I knew, his name was Father Tedesco, and Marinus priest, and he would say, it's not so much about you believing in God, but realizing that God believes in you. Yeah. And so this, this concept of chosen comes with that. It's like, whoa, God, he's chosen me. Like, what has he chosen me to do? Well, I got to figure it out. I got to a- answer the call when he's calling me, mm-hmm. you know? And that if we're all chosen children of God, then we have these missions from God that we may or may not be responding to mm-hmm. at the moment. But one of the biggest mission and models of the saying yes to the mission is the Virgin Mary at age 13, 14. <laughs> yeah. She was chosen yeah. by God. Yeah. She was a young person. Yeah. She said yes. The world changed forever yes. since then. Yes. So I guess what I, she's always been a model for me, but like, how can we continue to say yes to God in our daily lives, but realize that, you know, he's got plans for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The style of music that you do, and I don't know, is uh, can I call it hip hop? Is that do you? Your email? Am I okay yeah, calling you, know, you that? I would say there's, there's yeah. hip hop. There's worship. Um, yeah. There's definitely awesome melodies. Yes. So, um, so there's a lot of a lot of different varieties in in the music that I create because I, I'm I try to grab from different areas and I like that song. So I want an upbeat song or. Um, this is the first album that the song called Freedom is really powerful. It's a worship song. Uh-huh. And it kind of, this kind of ties into, you're asking me where I'm at right now, and a ma- matured sense of, you know, uh, I've been trying to do a lot lately is look inside of me. So uh-huh. um, h- how is how is this scripture applying to my life right now? And, and really looking at areas of weakness, areas uh, for development, for growth, um, that sometimes I don't think we always do. Um, we just constantly lean on God to provide for us and, you know, help us in situations. But there's times I think he wants us to look inside of us and say, you know, how can how can we improve and work on ourselves to be more like Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. There's something about the 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 spoken word. You know, I mean, you're not you don't call yourself a spoken word artist, but there's something about the yeah. word. You know, it's very kind of word centered mm. that I wonder if it makes the message clearer for the audiences, the young audiences that mm. are listening to your songs. Um, yeah. Because you're also a speaker, so you use the music to kind of a, as a doorway, and then yeah. to, to. But there's something about the music itself and the lyrics, the words. What do you What do you hope to do through the music and through the talks with your with your audiences? Well, in uh, any time, I was I was listening to a podcast, uh, and it's like the concept of that we're as a follower of Christ, we're recruiters. You know, uh-huh. we are constantly recruiting for the kingdom, yeah. and we are trying to make give fishers of men. You know, um, Jesus said, "Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." And that's what we should be doing. So, I continually want to to hook people on to God and say, "Check, check this out." I was talking to my friend Mike yesterday, and I was like, 
uh, when, when did you first, you know, really get into reading scripture and stuff like that? And he said, well, I was sitting at the dinner table with my aunt, and my aunt said, you know, you should really consider, you know, following Christ and making him the center of your life. Like that, that's a recruitment conversation. But that's so I'm hoping that this music yeah. can recruit people like, oh, man, this is what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. Oh, so this is scripture, you know, in, in my language. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, I, I, I like to pray the music. I didn't know this is what prayer was like. Um, so it's just like an, it's just a medium to share the gospel Mm -hmm. and we should be using many different mediums. I I happen to love music and a lot of people love music. So that's a passion of mine um, that I feel connects on a different level um, to, to all people, but especially young people. Yeah. What do you tell that, that kid that maybe doesn't feel it, but they, they want to follow, you know, Jesus, they want to be a disciple, but they, they didn't have that experience that you had at age 15. What do you tell that kid? Yeah. And, and that happens all the time. And I'm, I'm working with youth uh, that are, are on this journey. We're all on this journey together. One of the biggest things I say, don't don't go through life alone. You know, um, Jesus sent people out two by two. He wants us to be together in mission. Um, so surround yourself with, you know, people who have like, are like-mindedness or who have a strong faith. And then, you know, go find other people and invite them mm-hmm. to, to your faith circle. And, and even if you haven't, like I talk to priests and nuns and I share my story and they're like, wow, I've never had a story like that. So there's a part of me that feels blessed that, that yes. God uh, gave me that encounter. But I also see that there's so many faith-filled individuals that haven't had that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, look, yeah. at, look at Thomas. And, you know, Thomas was like, uh, he was not having it yeah. that Jesus had, had come back and resurrected until he yeah. actually saw him. Yeah. But there's he said, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Those are so many people out there um, who, who have not truly encountered this, but they just have that faith. And that's what yeah. we got to lean out on our own understanding, but on God completely. Amen. So that that means that everybody's chosen. You might not know it yet, or you might not feel it, or you might have not found it, but that doesn't mean that you're not chosen. Joe, we, we need to leave it there. Um, but cool. thank you for what you do. Thanks for the for the music. I, I know there's probably Pleasure. more thank coming you. down the pipes there, so keep us oh, yeah. keep us posted. <laughs> on, Holy, Holy Spirit's on, always on the move. Amen. You know? <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, and, uh, and uh, God bless in everything that you do. Blessing. Blessings to you and Chosen is now streaming worldwide on all platforms. That's so true. So it's so no excuses for not listening to it. That's it. Just look you for chosen. Joe Melendres <laughs> Chosen. There you go. Thank you. Joe Melendres, you can uh, just type him in your search engine. You'll find it. Like he said, the album is streaming worldwide everywhere. You can also go to his website to purchase his music, his swag, or book him for your next event. His website is joemelendres.com. I'm going to put that on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Joe Melendres with the title track of that new album, Chosen. Race. We can do all things with God's grace. 
We're listening to Joe Melendres with Chosen from his new album of the same name, and that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also download the Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes or the Google Play Store. And remember to contact me if you want to join me in the Holy Land in March. You can also find out more at nsgrotto.org. Contact us via email radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. You can also follow me uh, on Twitter at Emmy Callen. And Billy is B. Joe Chan or at B. Joe Chan and I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Son, we are set free. Okay.